2: Two days before Stephanie Georgie's 27th birthday, she was sexually assaulted by someone she didn't know, the driver who was taking her home from a night at the bar. Stephanie says she doesn't remember the drive, only getting into the car, arriving at her house, and starting to talk with the driver. It wasn't until the next morning when it started to hit her. I got the first flash of what might have happened. I started thinking, did I know that person? No. But instead of discussing what happened with the people around her, Stephanie wanted to ignore it. The people who would try to talk about it with me, I would dismiss it right away, she says. I was afraid that, because of the way that society is, that they would think that I had something to do with it. In America, every 98 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted, while only 6 out of a 1,000 perpetrators will end up in prison for it. We could make dozens of episodes dissecting the injustice of sexual assault with examples of cases where the perpetrators got out of jail early or didn't receive a proper sentence or never even received a punishment for it at all. I think it all comes to mind the six-month jail sentence that Stanford rapist Brock Turner was supposed to serve after his story went viral last year, and he only ended up serving three of those months. But today I want to give a voice to the victims. In late 2006, Cosmo released on Facebook a video where Stephanie was telling her story that has since been viewed 14 million times. It was actually our highest video that wasn't about food in 2016. We had thousands of Cosmo readers and listeners reach out sharing their stories and adding how thankful they were that Stephanie shared hers and how she's inspired them. So today, we're talking to Stephanie on the Cosmo podcast and giving her another chance to share her story. I'm Elisa Benson, this is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast, and today I want to open up the conversation about sexual assault. But first, before we jump into that very serious topic, I want to talk about something a little more fun, which is my new obsession with Blue Apron. You guys have all heard of Blue Apron, you know it's a meal delivery service, but some of the things you might not know is how important their ingredients are to them. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, as does knowing where your food comes from. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-proportioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. I am the worst cook in the entire world, and even I could do it. I tried Blue Apron for the first time, actually, earlier this week when I was watching the Golden Globes, and I made a delicious chicken, broccoli, couscous meal that I was so proud of myself for actually being able to do anything that didn't involve ordering food off the internet. So it's so easy. Even people like me can do it. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card. They actually show you pictures of everything you're doing, so it's impossible to mess up. All the ingredients are pre-proportioned and can be prepared in 40 minutes or less, um, which, again, I can attest to since I literally did this while I was actually sort of supposed to be working the Golden Globes for Cosmo. So check out this week's menu, and you can get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com Cosmo. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's BlueApron.com slash Cosmo. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From
0: the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Alisa Benson.
2: Today's guest was featured in a Cosmo video just two short months ago and has already reached 14 million views. She very candidly opened up about her experience as a sexual assault victim from a service driver, and after the stress of the situation started to weigh on her, she decided to buzz her hair. Today, I'd like to dig a little deeper and see how life has changed for her since the release of her video. Please give a warm welcome to Stephanie Georgie. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Thank you. I know, you know, you were in touch with Cosmo before when we made this video. We already mentioned that it was a huge viral success and so many people related to your story. But for people who haven't seen the video or aren't familiar, um, you know, they sort of know the basics. But walk us through the day of the incident. What were you doing? Um, yikes. Okay. Uh, I, it was a regular Monday for me.
0: So I had worked a lunch shift for here in Los Angeles, and then afterwards I usually, because it's the end of my day and I end pretty early, I go out um, with a friend and have a drink or two. So I did that, and then that kind of continued for the day. And then later in the evening, um, I went to meet up with some friends to go see a comedy show, and then afterwards uh, we went out. But these are like, you know, friends that I had just kind of met, so it was nice to run into. Um, but we kept drinking. I don't know. I feel like I'm not a huge drinker but just it's one of those nights where, um, you know, you just drink too much. But for sure. Uh, so I started drinking and then um I clearly, you know, I got very drunk and then um I don't the rest of the evening was a little bit It genuinely is, like, uh, blurry to me. Like, I don't remember. And then half the time, because it's been so much time, I feel like, oh, my gosh, am I making up these memories just because I need to know what happened? Right. Um, But otherwise, it was, um, I got just too drunk. And then the people that I was with, they, you know, uh, got me a ride home. The service driver, they requested all that. And then, um, you know, I got in the car and that was it. I mean, I just, I remember two instances specifically which is that you know came into my head the next day but um nothing specifically I mean into detail that I can give you as far as what happened but um it was it had to have been really quick and then that was that I mean I remember kind of getting home I remember speaking to my roommate but she says I didn't say anything so that's kind of crazy and then um I woke up really late the next day and I was late for work and I had to get to work and then um I'm I was still drunk the next day, which is crazy because that just goes to show you how much I was drinking. But um yeah, and then around 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock the next day, I got my first little flash and then it went downhill from there. <laughs>
2: And so, and so just to recap everything you said, you know, this started as kind of a normal night out with some friends, but maybe new friends. So maybe you're drinking a little more than usual or like had a little too much. You know, your friends think they're doing the responsible thing and like arrange for this, you know, car service to come and pick you up and take you home. And it sounds like those details, as we can kind of all relate to, are a little bit fuzzy. You have a conversation with your roommate that you don't really remember. Um, and so you wake up late the next day and like it seems like that maybe for you, if you're not a big drinker, was sort of the first indication that something was, you know, this hadn't been a typical night out. I mean, I can imagine waking up and feeling like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Oh, I, was,
0: I was in panic when I woke up because I was I was actually late to work and I woke up in the living room with the sun in my face. So so it, it was like, this it, isn't
2: I, normal. I'm not in my bed. Yeah, I never sleep. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean,
0: at first, mind you, I didn't I woke up in panic because I was late. But I also woke up like, oh, man, like, good night. Right. No, I didn't I wasn't even really regretful of it yet. Because right. as far as I know, it was just, you know, yeah, I just it was a crazy night. And then, um, yeah, it was just it wasn't until later and it's just so funny because I so specifically remember my demeanor changing like midday as soon as I remembered the first thing. Right. And then I got very quiet and then it started to settle in. And, and what then, did like, you... I was just waiting.
2: And not to so make went... you dig into this, what is obviously a really painful memory, but what was that like? Like, what was the first memory of this very fuzzy night coming back to you that made you realize, wait, I think I was sexually assaulted?
0: Um, I won't go very, very into detail, but... It, there were just
2: two instances
0: of like one of that person touching me. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't sure because I don't remember I remember just like the hand, and I don't remember um, I don't remember like his like what he looked like or anything like that. right but I think that was the biggest thing. I just remember kind of something happening. and but I just I think it was so confusing for me because I kept thinking, what was the conversation or how did it get to that
2: point? Sure, trying to remember all the home. details
0: right and i where i live where i was at i was about maybe 12 minutes away mm-hmm. so the drive wasn't even long it was a short that's drive it also blows yeah that's what also blows my mind because at the end of the day it's not like i met someone at the bar and i was hanging out with them and i mean regardless this is why all of everyone should be responsible when they're drinking but there are nights that are inevitable out of your control you know sure um the word i keep thinking of is in spanish it's it's te pasas like you just you do too much it sounds better in spanish but it just one you know when you do a lot but um that's what just sucks is because it was you just i don't know you see i still have when i have the conversation i still defend myself
2: right 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 so it sucks you know it's but Well, I think it's, I think actually a lot of women can relate to that feeling because you're absolutely right. Like we've all been there. And of course, on some level, you know, like don't drink too much, be responsible, Mm -hmm. be in control of your actions. But we've all been in that situation where it gets a little out of hand and it's hard not to feel, you know, especially when I think this is why your video resonated so much with our audience, you know, especially when the worst sort of does happen and it's hard not to beat yourself up about that. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I, um, in the video, I mentioned that I would have judged also. I think that was the biggest thing. So when all of this was happening and people, anything negative that anyone had to say about it, I didn't already say it first.
2: Right. Right.
0: So it was like, I I couldn't even...
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: And especially in a situation like this, because it's always been so taboo. And the only reason why I did the video was when I did begin to open up a little, the amount of girls that I knew and that I've known who said to me, oh, that happened to me. That happened to me. Um, One girl lost her virginity through a rape. And I and all of them said, oh, but I never told anyone. And they only said it to me because I said it happened to me. But that broke my heart because I, I mean, I just, I couldn't imagine it being a secret. And then the amount of people that, that it has happened to, I mean, the messages that I got after the video, it blows my mind. I mean, every, every other victim, if you will, um, far more worse than what happened to me, but look at just all in secret. No one says anything. Right. Right. So much more common than uncommon.
2: And and I want to talk more about the reaction and the the messages you've been getting from people, because that's such an important part of your story. And in some ways, the way that I think we sort of move forward after something like this happens. Um, but going, you know, backing up this, you know, to sort of this moment after and when you first are starting to get these flashes of you know, realizing that this happened. How did you go from feeling like these were first fuzzy flashes of sort of remembering things to really feeling certain about what had happened?
0: Um, well, th- this is another part because it's a podcast, mind you. I probably sounded weird in the beginning because I was a little nervous. Cause, you know, my first time having an extensive conversation about it. Sure. But, um. Anyways, yes, I have decided that it's better to be shared. Um, everyone's. Experiences are different, right? And I, for me, the thing is that the first thing that happened that it flashed, then I went home and I i called my roommate, like crying, saying, I think this happened, right? And then, um, a little bit after that, because what had happened, the whole situation, the reason why it was confirmed is because I had lost my passport that night. And I travel, uh, my family's like Latin American, and we go visit family and whatnot and all that. So it's, I just needed the passport. But I guess I was really nervous about it. But the night before and being friendly, um, that the service driver texted me. Mm-hmm. So when he reached out to me, I was was confused of who it was and the first thing that he said was like oh did you ever find the passport so the the conversation had to have been like if you find it you know when we're all drunk and right
2: it was hinting and at a um, conversation that you didn't remember having but was sort exactly. of exactly right, right 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 and it was then it also Q bothered you. me because of course i i can imagine where
0: that could have gone you know right so um and then i said oh d- do you have it Like, or did you find it? Or like, what what was I saying or whatever? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And this isn't the person told me. And um, I remember saying, I'm like, I don't remember anything that happened, but I have to ask you, did we? And, um, you know, he he was like, oh, you know, yes, blah, blah, whatever. And then it was confirmation. I mean, this person told me. And I was very angry. And I was like, I don't remember what you look like. I don't know what your name is or who you are. And... um, it, people, I mean, I'm talking about this because, and I'm sorry if I go off on little rants, but it is, blows my mind how normal it might be for some people.
2: Right. Because
0: the, the response was for, when I was like inevitably angry, was that, um, you know, to not be shy. Right. That's what, like the person told me. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding? So even in that moment, I wasn't taken serious. Um, but after that, I it was like, that was it. Once I was given the confirmation, I had to stop and, mind you, then the, the police report and everything else all happened afterwards
2: because um, Wait, it was. I like, want to. It was real. Yeah, Stephanie, I want to pause on that for a second. So when yeah, you basically, I think I, went, I think I went all over the place. So no, it's, no, it's. I mean, it's a hard thing to talk about. But so yeah. you're texting with this driver and sort of piecing together that you had a conversation with him. You have this inkling that something happened. You asked him. He confirmed that it did. And when you said. You know, I don't even remember you. I don't even remember what you look like. He said, don't be shy. No. The first thing was that
0: the person sent me a picture.
1: Uh, And I'm
0: like, what? Right. Like, trying to be like that. And then I was like, no, like, this isn't okay. Like, he's a... And the, the worst part was, what really made me mad was... And before any of that, when I was trying to figure out who this was texting me, right. and I was saying, what is the conversation? Um, they're like, oh, you remember you were, you were you lost your passport. You were so angry that you were so drunk. Right. So if I was like, that's another thing that b- bothers me is that so I was talking to you about it then. Right. Was, and
2: it was clear you know that I was, I was drunk. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, and I don't remember saying that, but it, like, oh, God, that's it's just one. It's like a haunting experience right. because you don't remember these things. And you feel like, look at even that little point right there, that should have helped me from the situation. Right? Why wasn't that, you know? But it right. didn't, it didn't, this person was just like, oh, okay, cool.
2: Right. He uh-huh. obviously didn't understand at all yeah yeah yeah
0: no absolutely it's it's and it, because it is common and there's plenty of women who do it and men you know when when you start drinking you get a little bit more comfortable half the time people drink so that they can be comfortable sure. and that's why it's such a like fine line of of why people are like man she didn't she wasn't raped she wasn't sexually assaulted she was just drunk right i get it i promise you you know but i've also gotten drunk before in my life you right. know i'm a grown woman and i've that's never happened to me before so if, if my body and if I choose to feel uncomfortable about it, it's for a reason. It's because it wasn't supposed to happen.
2: Right. And I think just to be completely clear, you know. Oh, yeah.
0: Sorry, again. No, you're
2: being great. But I just <laughs> oh, I'm, really I am I want to just back up what you're saying with complete clarity that if you do not consent to something, that is sexual assault. And if yeah. you are completely drunk, and in this case, in your case, it was visible to the person you were with that you were completely right. drunk. You know, you are not in a position to give consent. You know, that's the right. law. Um, yeah. So. You know, I I hear what you're saying. You know, in in some ways, I think you're being benevolent by saying that it can be confusing. And certainly, I know what you mean. But at the same time, it's not confusing. You know, you you give consent or you don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Um.
0: Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that it, it, there have been so many, ever since then, there have been like podcasts or little videos that I've seen on my fa- like uh, Facebook feeds and whatnot of men, of judges, of people arguing otherwise. I mean, our own president who probably would laugh in my face if I even tried to tell a story. Right. Forgive me for saying that, but whatever. Like, it, you know, just it, it, it's so, ah, um, oh, man, it's just, it's so pushed under the rug. It's just not taken serious. And it's right. an issue that doesn't need to be public because, I think the rest of the world believes that we can all take care of it privately and in our own states and our own little communities, you know, right? nothing could be taken seriously. I don't know. It's just weird.
2: No, I think that's a really good point. It's like it's something you, you know, first of all, there's so much skepticism about this in general and mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate and makes it hard for people like you to do the brave thing and sort of come forward and talk about this. But I think that's also a really good point that it's something that I think beyond the stigma is considered something that you deal with in private. Um, okay. So you, so speaking of dealing with it, so after you got mm-hmm. confirmation that this happened and sort of pieced together this timeline and we're processing your feelings, you know, how did you process your feelings? Who did you talk to about this? You know, you, you mentioned that you made a decision to file a police report. How did, you know, what happened after you sort of became certain about everything that happened?
0: Um, well, the person I had stopped you know, obviously, like, it's talking to them as soon as, like, I felt unsafe. And um, they continued contacting me, like, a week later and then said something very vulgar where it, I I think that's probably where, like, the, the extension of the trauma went. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, I, like, I think that's when I pushed it back to the back of my head even more. And then um, about three weeks after that on a different network platform reached out to me on WhatsApp, which is like an international like application for those. Like if you have friends in different places, whatever. Right. Um, and uh, said something. And then at that point I said, leave me alone or I'll report you to you know the company or whatever. And then, um, and then I blocked them. And then a month after that on Facebook, and then I had a, a panic attack that day because I didn't understand what was going on. You know, I was very clear. I wasn't having conversations. I wasn't like entertaining anything. Um, and then, uh, I blocked them men and then I went to, that's when I made the police report. I didn't make their police report until two months after, until after I had even already started losing my hair. Right. I mean, I get it. That's what makes me so angry. That I didn't know the protocol to right. a situation like this. At the same time, why should I? Right. But now I know it's necessary. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to say, but I absolutely think that it needs to be spoken about more. Women need to know that if they uh, feel uncomfortable, go talk to someone, whether, and it's going to suck because there are going to be people where, they're going to say, "So you were aware of it? You did kind of give consent." You know, do you know what I'm saying there's going to be situations like that where people go f- for the wrong reasons, but it still needs to be done just in case,
2: right? You know, and, and the and just to jump in, like the actual statistics in terms of people who falsely report rape are so 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 minuscule. I think sometimes that does get brought into these conversations of, oh, people do it and they're making false accusations or they're, you know, we hear that argument a lot. And the reason that argument is perpetuated is to scare women away from reporting this because there are a lot of institutional reasons why people don't want it to be taken seriously. But it is serious and Mm -hmm. it is a crime. So I just want to put that out there. Um, No, it is.
0: That's why I said it in the end of my video when I said, I believe you. I remember it was because that was my thought process. I thought no one was. Right. It just didn't sound I don't know. It just didn't It almost didn't sound legit, but it, it was. It was what I lived.
2: So, right. Pff, ridiculous. Do you wish in retrospect so when you what was your experience like of filing a police report? Uh, that was emotional, which and I went with a friend of mine
0: who's a, psychi- a psychiatrist and she like a, a, bit of a best friend of mine since I was 14. And um, when she told me, she prepped me for it. And she's the one even from the beginning which God bless her heart because I think Without, have, without saying it to me because she already has like a, you know, an education behind this. She knows what she's talking about. She, I think, was saying little words that helped me kind of break down and feel what I was feeling. Right. Because I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't cry or think or have a reaction to the situation until one of the days that I couldn't cover my uh, bald spots.
2: Right. When so, I started
0: doing comb-overs. So talk about... Where, like, Talk about your hair. I think I didn't even answer your last one. (laughs) Yeah,
2: no, that's okay. Um, (laughs) No, talk to us. Your so essentially, um, again, for people who haven't seen the video, basically your hair started falling out.
0: Right. Oh, and that's what it was, by the way, because it got it was invasive at the police station. But the the hair started falling out, and then on July eighteenth. So what happened to me was around was the beginning of June, and about a month and two weeks after that, my hair it was just on a Monday. Remember the hour, and it was like from the root like locks. I, I've always lost a lot of hair. All females lose a lot of hair. Sure. It, it was different. It right. looked different. It felt different. And then I went to work, and I um, was just... I didn't even put my hair up because it, it was falling so much, I, I stopped touching it, and I just was like, okay, I'm going to let it air dry, and then I'll put it up when I get to work. So I get to work, but I keep touching my hair, and just the chunks of it, from the again, from the root, were just kind of coming out. And I went to go show two of my coworkers... And they're like, um, damn, Steph, like, no, that's not normal, I don't think. And But not really knowing what to say. Right. And I just stayed quiet. And then um, but I kept thinking about it. Then after work, I went to the salon behind my desk where I work, and um, I know the owner there. And I was like, hey, I need to speak to you. Uh, is this normal? And I showed him, and his eyes widened a little bit and said, no, he's not. Go ahead, have a seat. And then he talked to me about, like, what's going on with your head. And then I did, and then I was like, no, nothing. I just woke up. It was like this. And he asked me if um, I've, I've been itchy or anything anywhere, and I was like, Oh yeah, I guess maybe a little on this one spot, which I thought was like a little stress itch, and it only had happened for like about a week before that it started. He looked at that spot, and there was an, like a solid, like a bald spot the size of a quarter. Right. And before he said to me, he goes, uh, what do you say? He said, Okay, I'm gonna show you something, but don't be alarmed. And of course, your heart's gonna just drop to the pit of, you know, to your gut. And um, he turned around and he showed me the spot. And like, you know, I had to breathe. I had to relax. Um, made a doctor's appointment for that Thursday. And then, am I going to go extensive to the story or do
2: yeah, yeah. So yeah. I? Yeah. So I I wanted to ask. So you're starting to notice that your hair is falling out. You're yeah. um, you know, sort of maybe starting to freak out a little bit, wondering this is wondering if this is normal. When did it hit you, or when did you realize that this was connected to stress and that this was sort of your body saying like. St- Stephanie, you have to deal with this.
0: Not until the actual appointment. So that's the funny, that's the, I think that's the reason why this whole experience was such a trip, because when it first happened, I kid you not, my first theory was, and this is how ridiculous it is, but I love Chinese food, and I order a lot, and um, specifically the Chinese chicken wings. You know how they put hormones in mm-hmm. chicken, you know, to fatten them? Oh, I sure I, do. <laughs> Oh my God! I thought I was like, you know what? Maybe it's a hormone imbalance because I've been eating too much.
2: Chicken. Oh my gosh! You're like my Chinese food diet is killing me. <laughs> I, I, like anyone who hears this, I, like how ridiculous is that? But it's
0: because I was so skeptical. Although right. there's no way with anything else, and not at all did I think, not even for a split second, did I relate it to the incident. Right. So then I go to the doctors um, and I speak to her and. The first thing she says to me is, have you gone through a breakup or a big fight or have you gone through anything traumatic? And I told her no. And then we continued to talk about everything else. And then about 10 minutes later, I remembered what happened. Right. And I was like, actually, um, maybe something. And then I told her. So I didn't even even at that moment, I didn't think of it. Right. And that just goes to show you how much I suppressed it. Right. Because I didn't want to believe it. I wasn't right. going to be
2: that girl. You didn't want to talk about it. And so what did the doctor say? Was she kind of like, uh, yeah, that can, you know, when you're really stressed out about something. No, she
0: was, she was really, uh, she was very somber about it. And
2: I think that's what was
0: really hard to see because, you know, I, I'm, I'm considered a minority, if you will. I come from, my family's Colombian and like, I just always feel like having grown up the way I did, I never, ever wanted to be a victim, you know? I wanted right. to be very successful. I, My father is my influence and stuff like that. So um, even during this process, I was like, no, no, no. You know, Whatever happens, happens. And when this situation happened again, I'm not gonna be like a, a weak female. I'm not gonna, I'm strong. That's just what I kept putting in my head. So then when I see her sad about it, I'm like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, and I keep, I try to, I'm almost rude about trying to brush it off. Right. And she's like, Stephanie, I want you to come see me in about six weeks. Um, you know, I just want to see if you're depressed. But the, she says it so bluntly, and I'm like, what? What do you mean? And she's like, I just, your hair is most likely going to continue to fall out, and I see that you're not willing to talk about the situation. I just want you to know, like, you can, you know, just try to reach out. And then at that point, she said, you, you are behaving like a rape victim. Every, you're not alone. Like every other female tries to deny the situation, every other female doesn't speak about it or talk about it, and I in you to do so. So, I was and like, what, okay, was that, what was that? What was that
2: like. like to have her sort of say? It was awful because she's you know a physician.
0: Right, she knows what she's talking about. And it made it real. Right. And again, I'm not a victim.
2: That's what I I think. That's what it was in my head. I'm like,
0: no, no, no,
2: no, no. I don't want to be. I don't want to think of myself that way.
0: I mean, ultimately, even now I can tell you, I think more now the feeling is just anger. It just pisses me off. Right. I just, you know, like I I even want to fight just because I'm like, man, I could have taken care of myself. But again, you're caught up in a situation like where you're vulnerable and you get taken advantage of.
2: And have you heard that from other women since you've shared your story and you've heard from other survivors, have you heard, you know, women saying that same thing? Like, I never thought this would happen to me. I didn't think I was. Oh,
0: every single one. I have over 300 messages in my Facebook that I haven't read yet. Still, like that, just because I, I you have to take it with a grain of salt. Right. I mean, it's, it's all, to the point where I stopped once. I, Swear on everything, I got dizzy. Yeah. And, because it was, it's brutal. I mean, people don't realize it that it's all over the United States, all these right. women right. and worse things. But they think it's normal or they think that, you know, it'll, it'll soon pass and that my video was enough. No, my video is not enough. Right. I, I, you know, they, I think a lot of them got like closure just from what they saw, just from what I said, and that's unacceptable. Right. It's so sad. You know, your video, at, at your time, video isn't
2: meant to be a solution to anything. It's meant to be a it starting wasn't point. A,
0: no, not at all. It was meant to be. Uh, I honestly, I wanted just to spark discussion. Right. I didn't think I was going to get fourteen point one million views. Like, right. That was ridiculous and counting. But. Yeah. And counting. Exactly. Thank you. Um, and, and, and I didn't mean to say thank you. I also <laughs> didn't want to be like a sellout. Sorry. I didn't want to be. just. No,
2: but I know what that. you mean. I mean, it's, yeah. you, you know, it's such a personal thing that you dealt that was so hard for you to deal with. And the yeah. numbers are a kind of validation that you're not alone and that what you're saying really matters. And, you know, I think I talked at the top of the episode when I was, you know, introducing this um, about the, you know, Stanford rape letter that went viral over the yes, summer. Exactly. And I think that, you know, in some ways there's a lot of parallels between that story and this, you know, this survivor's letter going viral and your video going viral and feeling like you, that there is a kind of justice in social media that you're not getting through the actual legal system.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, it's funny. I'm happy you mentioned the Stanford letter because I think one of the main reasons why I did it was the majority of the girls who told me that it happened to, a lot of them were younger, and it happened to them when they're younger. Right. I'm 27, so I think that's another reason why I was so mad it happened to me, was because I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not a child. That's right. what I thought. I was absolutely judgmental about it. And when I think about the high school girls that it happens to, and I, I remember high school, the little shits excuse me of course <laughs> right you know how people are and like boys and girls and i you know i'm someone I, i'm gonna again it's a, it's a saying in spanish y derecha. like i'm i've been right ra- i, I was in English. like I'm, I'm raised and grown and like i i know who i am and i think that it was better for me to say it than any other young girl who still has time to grow right. she still needs to grow or any young boy he still needs to grow they still need to figure out who they are and even though I wasn't you know uh physically like uh abusively raped Mm -hmm. if you will you know Um, violent I guess violently thank you even Mm -hmm. though it wasn't like that the fact that it bothered me so much needs to be known also so now imagine the rest of the world who've had it far worse Right. If it's still not if it's not OK with me, then it's for sure not OK with everyone else. Right. And I think just that young young girls need to know that they need to speak up about it and not to their friends always right away. You know, it's OK to speak to someone of age and of authority. Right. People get scared to, but they have to do it that way. And I don't know. it's just, it's, it's so touchy.
2: Right. And I I think, again, you know, you've been flooded with responses since this video came out. And in some ways, I think that is an amazing part of sharing your story is this community that's bubbling up and other girls out there that, you know, especially like you said, younger viewers, you know, who have been through something like this, you know, feeling like they're not alone is so important and so powerful. But I also just want to put out there that everyone reaching out to you isn't necessarily, you know, fine if people want to reach out to you. And I'm glad that's happening. But I think to your point is sort of like talk to someone who can help you. There are people that can help you. You know, it sounds like for you, seeing a doctor was really important. Filing this police report was really important. And so I think it's just for anyone listening to this. um, It's great to talk to other survivors as part of the healing process, but there are authorities that can help you. And that's so important to report it, to speak up, to see a doctor or a therapist.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I recommend that full-heartedly. I, to, and just to, to explain the realness of the situation, my incident happened in June. It's now January, and I still yet have spoken to a therapist, which I know I need to and I want to, right. but I'm genuinely scared to just open up that can of worms, if you will. Right. So it's a real thing. And like again, like for any girl or boy who, who this has happened to, you know, you're not alone, and it's normal that it takes a process, but just don't ever... I think my my biggest request if you will is just don't push it back or don't hide it right just, re- just remember it be aware of it and get to it when you can but make sure to get to it because it is something i remember the first doctor said she's like stephanie i don't want this to haunt me later and I'm like it won't haunt me right and and she's right, though. And I think the reason why I lost my hair sometimes is because I would have never spoken about it. No one would have never known what happened to me had my hair not fallen out. Right. I would have kept that a secret. So that's, I think, another reason why is that I, the only reason I, I, you know, it's, I only got that 14.1 is because my hair started falling out. Had I not, I would have been like every other person in America who this has happened to, who carried it around privately,
2: as you said earlier.
0: And your hair—everything happens for a reason. So I'm happy that if that's what what it is, then good. Let me be the advocate for it, better than someone else, because I'm—I refuse to. I'm not going to let it break me down. I understand that this is something bad that happened, but now I have to do something about it.
2: And I think before I let you go, I think the last in that kind of is a good segue into just the final part of your narrative is that you ended up deciding to shave your hair off, right? Mm-hmm. and so tell me about what that decision represented to you that decision was done last minute in the
0: video you see when, when he starts to cut my hair and um I was only cutting it short so that I could fit into my wig mm-hmm. and it, that wig that I wear in the beginning um and then when he cut it it looked oh it was just so silly and I, I remember just thinking for what you know and um I just felt that, you know, I couldn't tell you. Ah, my hair was my hair. I'm a girl. It's part of my identity. It's part of my feminism. Um, it was a horrible thing, and I hate when I say that because I know I there's like specific females that I thought of when I did it because they were my inspiration, and they look beautiful that way. But um, it just still sucked. And when I did it, it was just very. It was. It was very liberating. Right. One woman said to me once, "It's." crazy how much memory your hair holds
1: Mm. and
0: that was the most beautiful thing I could have ever heard because I think when I shaved my head away it allowed me to get rid of some of that memory and some of that anger and um so much you know just every emotion that I was holding on to I mean my hair was literally escaping my head
2: right
0: for what I was screaming I had it just had to have been like going crazy so it was it was bittersweet very beautiful moment but um very frightening
2: Right. And I think that underscores that, you know, certainly there's a a sort of obvious metaphor in the idea of, you know, your hair grows back Mm -hmm. and you, too, will come back from this in a new way. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I think everything you're saying about it being bittersweet underscores that nothing about this experience, you know, is simple. Of course, Mm -hmm. shaving your head isn't what heals you from something like this because it's not that straightforward. Um, And, you know, even hearing you talk about it and saying, like, I still am working on this. I still need to go and speak to a therapist. I, you know, I think the fact that in some ways. There is nothing sort of like tied up neatly with a bow about this is part of why it's even more powerful to hear you talk about it, because it's the real truth of it. It isn't some, you know, and I just admire your bravery and. I'm thankful that you're sharing your story because I don't think we can talk about this stuff enough. It's still swept under the rug. It's still sexual assault still isn't treated as a crime. It's still not taken seriously in many situations. And, you know, every time, Stephanie, someone like you shares their story, I think we get a little closer to acknowledging that this is a problem because as a society, we're not even there yet. Oh,
0: you're so wonderful! Thank you so much. You're so wonderful. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, and I really appreciate this opportunity because, you know, I, I I do podcasts myself. I'm a talker, and I think that was another hard thing for me was having to be in front of the camera again and just having to accept it but to be able to have this bit of a platform and you know really try to speak to about it and I wanted to be as honest as I could just to remind the rest of the world like you know this isn't a front this is what it is you know you can take me as someone proper you can take me as someone real or hood or whatever you want to call it I don't know but like I'm just I'm a person like everyone else and I just want everyone to be like okay with talking about it and to know that everyone goes through their own process that it's okay that it's different and that I don't know I just There's no reason to really panic about it, if that makes any sense. Right, (laughs) right. That it's like we all go through it and, uh, you know, the sun does shine and it's just part of the experience.
2: Right. Um, That's That's a good way of, you know, putting it out there. As important as it is to talk about these things, this is one really shitty thing that happened to you. But it's one thing and it's something you are dealing with and moving on from. It's not a life ruiner. Um, I think that's a really actually important point as we're getting like so serious about this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and one person said that, you know, I know a lot of women who it messes them up for the rest of their life. And I'm like, Oh God, there really is a stigma with this. You right, know, that right. we're messed up females. I mean, some people think that then we become freaks and that we like it even more. This, this and that. I mean, there are the things I've heard, Right. especially when people don't know what's happened to me because the conversation comes up regardless. Right. And so it's, Quite awkward sometimes, but gosh, we're people like everybody else. And for anyone who decides to say something, that's just because it shows who your character is and who you are as a person and that you weren't okay with it. And, um, you know, I, I just want to be that person also that just because this happened to me and just because I'm talking about it doesn't mean that, you know, that you can come at me any type of way. You know, right. I'm still like everyone else and I still demand to be respected.
2: Right. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us on video. And then again today on the podcast, I really admire your bravery so much. And um, we should have you on again. Please do for anything. I'd be more than
0: happy to. <laughs> I Forgive would love me, to. I, I was speaking really. I really was nervous. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't sound nervous at all, actually. Okay. But thank you so much, Stephanie.
0: It was my pleasure. Thank you as well. God bless and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome
2: to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. I want to just thank Stephanie so much again, even though I've already said this one million times now, for sharing her story and for the bravery it takes to speak up about something that a lot of people don't want to speak up about and don't acknowledge as a problem. Also, for anyone out there listening that needs someone to talk to that doesn't have a starting point, that maybe doesn't feel comfortable going immediately to an authority in their life, I would encourage you to go to rain.org. Um, they have a text hotline, a national sexual assault hotline. It is free. It's confidential. There are people there. Even if you are calling and you don't know why you're calling and you just feel like you need someone to talk to, please, please turn to Rain. RAINN. org is their website, and there are tons of resources there. To all of you listening, thank you for tuning in to the Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour podcast. I love hearing from you guys. If there are topics you want to see us address on a future podcast, you know where to find me at Elisa Benson on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. I always really love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Bye.